Coming off a big performance, bronze medals at the X Games, fourth at the Mammoth Mountain World Cup in 2022, and here he is, Kaishu How much speed he's taking into oh. the first hit! Oh my gosh! 22 feet out! Kaiju going absolutely crazy! Run number one of the finals. Obviously wants to find himself on the podium. Giant frontside 1260. Kaiju Hirano ends it off with a bang. That was the craziest thing that I've seen anybody do with their body in the last year. I tell you what, we're talking about taking care in college. And tonight we're specifically talking about the way that we take care of our bodies. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad your body is here. <laughs> yeah. That probably felt a little weird because a lot of us feel weird about our bodies. Maybe you feel weird about your body because you wonder about what you can't do, what you can do with your body. Some of us feel disappointed about that. Some of us feel excited about that. I tell you what, I want to make sure that you recognize uh, what was going on with that body in that clip there. I want to show you a picture of that snowboarder. Can we zoom in just a little bit more? Um, I want to make sure you recognize him. Um, I am Kaishu Hiroma. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Uh, my body can't do those things. And that is quite all right. Even though my body can't do those things, I do believe that my body has value because God created me. And, and that's what we're talking about tonight in this second week of our series called Taking Care in College. So one more time, turn to the person next to you and now just a little bit of confidence say, I'm glad my body is here tonight. That's right. Our bodies are absolutely wonderful things. Even if you cannot fling your body up in the air 20 feet before you land safely on the earth once again on a snowboard. Your body is absolutely wonderful. I found some interesting facts about the human body this week, and I'd like to share them with you. Your body is absolutely wild and incredible. Hear this. Your bones are ridiculously strong. For example, the metatarsals in your feet that hold your body weight are no more than a centimeter wide. To put that in perspective, it would take 20 sticks to hold the same weight. Pretty cool, huh? Your nose can recognize more than one trillion different scents or odors, if you know what I'm saying. Some of you got that roommate, you know what I mean? Eh? Eh? Your lungs contain almost 1,500 miles of airwaves. Go ahead, take in a nice deep breath, ready? And through your 1,500 miles of airwaves in your lungs, I, I guess that's what happens. I don't know how it works, but I know that you got 1,500. You can breathe out, by the way. Okay, some of you are just holding it, okay? We don't want your body to suffocate in this space tonight, okay? Your brain can recognize a person by their voice in as little as half a second. That's wild. Your body's really nuts, all the things that it's capable of. Your heart beats 100,000 times a day, but don't worry because it is designed to resist fatigue, which is why it can beat all day long. Your heart is the only muscle that virtually never gets tired. This is when I tell my wife, that's a good thing because my heartbeat goes up to 275 per minute when I see her. You know what I'm saying? Today, yeah. She's watching online. Um, September 7th is our dating anniversary. You never forget that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did. She texted me today and told me. Okay, anyway. So, moving on. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'll let you wonder if I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. No wonder the Bible talks about how wonderful your body is. Turn to the person next to you and say, your body's wonderful. <laughs> See, we talk about our bodies and we're like, oh, my body is so weird and awkward and gross. I want us to feel comfortable with our bodies, but in a biblical way. 
This is what it says in the scriptures. This is from the book of Psalms. You heard Allison read this earlier. This is the writer saying to God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. When was the last time that you told God while looking at your elbow, oh, wow, God, you are good. <laughs> Whoa, the skin on my elbows is very elastic. Your workmanship is phenomenal. I think that it's fascinating. Our bodies are this really incredible thing, and it's important that we take care of them because they're so amazing. God wants you to take care of your body. God thinks your body is awesome. And I think human beings in general, like we would like to take care of our body. We would like to see our bodies thrive. I read this this week. The average U.S. American would spend $20,000 if they could guarantee good health. $20,000 if they could guarantee I've got good health. But that's unfortunate because 64% of college students say they don't have the time to prioritize their health. We don't prioritize our bodies. Maybe we don't think highly enough about our bodies, like our bodies aren't worth enough in order to really care about them. What are the things in your life that you really care about, that you value? Well, it's oftentimes the things that cost us a lot of money. Those are the things that we care about the most, right? Those are the things that we protect. Let's say you got the new iPhone 14 this fall. That costs you $799. I do not have an iPhone 14, but I hear they're pretty cool. But you all know this. When you get a new phone, you buy the cover, you get the screen protector. Then after a year, you're like, zing, and you just toss it because you don't care that much anymore because it doesn't have that value. But when you've just paid that money to get that phone, you're like, I, I really want to take care of this thing. Let's say that you are caring a lot about your college experience. Why do we care so much about our college experience? Well, because it's really expensive. The average in-state public tuition is $10,338. Not to remind you, but that kind of stinks, right? But it's why some of your parents or some of your family or some of your friends remind you, you need to take this seriously because it costs a lot. It's worth a lot. Maybe someday you want to buy a home. The average home in the United States right now costs $192,000. And that's why people care about their home because it's like worth a lot. I mean, it's tough to take care of that stuff, but we do it because we think, well, it's worth a lot. It's worth that cost. Now, what if you had like a really fancy car? One of the most uh, expensive cars that I could find out there was the 2022 McLaren 720S. I sound like I know a lot about cars. I don't, but that will run you $300,000. Now I bring up that car because it's actually my car. Um, that's, no, that is not my car. That is me driving a McLaren, uh, whatever the number was, letter. But so there's this guy who knows my brother. My brother was in town. And this guy said, hey, I have a McLaren. I'd love to bring it to your parents' house and you can take it for a spin. And I'm thinking, why don't I have friends like this? But nonetheless, he brought, they brought the car over and he said, Danny, you can go ahead and drive it if you'd like. He was sitting in the passenger seat and I took it out. And you might say, Danny, I bet that car drove really, really fast. I bet it had all sorts of agility. Yes, I'm sure it did, but I would not know it because that car is worth $300,000 and I was terrified that I was going to break it. Driving on the interstate, I could have driven through a neighborhood at the speed I was going. I was that scared because it was worth so much. I'm like, I can't break this. I need to care for it. Now, I would say this. I can almost guarantee that every single one of you has something that is more valuable than a phone, more valuable than your tuition, more valuable than your house, more valuable than a 2022 McLaren 720S. It's your body your body, if you could monetize it, I read this in a study this week, is worth $45 million. That also might be the strangest statistic that I've ever heard, but your body is worth $45 million. Turn to the person next to you and say, respect my body. 
Honestly, that should actually come into our vocabulary a lot. Like, just tell people in regular, respect my body. It's worth way more than you know. Come on. But the Bible agrees with this. God agrees with this. And to God, you're worth even more than $45 million. When it's talking about our bodies in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you heard this in the reading tonight, talking about your physical body. It says, God bought you, your body, with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We care about our bodies because they are worth something to God. Now, in the Greek, the insinuation there with high price is not just a monetary value. It actually quite literally means priceless. Turn to the person next to you and say, my body is priceless. And if you're here on a date tonight, you feel so awkward. <laughs> When's he going to have us stop talking about our bodies? Not yet. So anyway, do you remember this? This is from Kairos at the Camp Neal when we had the service out on, the, on Central Campus. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says this about you. We are God's masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things. Turn to the person next to you and say, good things. The good things that he planned for us long ago. Here's the thing. God does not think that your body is so ridiculously valuable because of how you look when you look in a mirror. God says your body is valuable because I love you. And your body is not valuable because of the way that you can look. Your body is valuable because God has planned for you and your body to do good things in his creation. And so when we look in the mirror, what is it that we see? Do we actually see a masterpiece? Do we see something that's capable of doing good things? The biblical understanding of, of our bodies and the way that we treat our bodies and caring for our bodies is not to do something that would make us look a certain way. We care for our bodies so we could be energized and rested and prepared to do the good things that God prepared for us. Look, I know that when we talk about our bodies, a lot of us start to cringe because I also know that there are a lot of people who hate their bodies. A lot of us do not like what we see when we look in the mirror. We don't feel like the author in the book of Psalms who says, your workmanship is fabulous. How beautifully, wonderfully complex you have made me. When did that change? Don't you remember looking in a mirror when you were a kid? At four years old, you're blown away. I have metatarsals in my feet. It's incredible. But then somewhere along the line, we don't look in the mirror to be blown away and amazed. Instead, the only time we look in the mirror is to fix something. Or maybe it's to make sure that the thing that we fix still looks the same. When did that change? What do you see when you look in the mirror? A lot of us don't like what we see. Are you treating your body like it's priceless? Do you believe that your body is priceless? I read this today. Not today, this week, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was last hour, but whatever. Ages 12 to 15. 91% of women and 90% of men are unhappy with their physical appearance. I'm just going to put that out there because I think that it's important that if you're sitting here tonight, you're like, I don't like my body. You are not alone. Almost everybody in this room is frustrated at times with the way their body looks. Now, one out of 10 of you, congratulations. I don't know how you do it, but that's great. But 91% of women, 90% of men are unhappy with their physical appearance. Of those 91% and of those 90%, one out of three struggle with an eating disorder. And out of people who struggle with an eating disorder, only 10% seek help. And I think that at this time in the sermon, I need to take a screeching halt because that's not okay. 
And so if everybody, if you can, go ahead and take your phone out. Every, if every single person in this room, please take your phone out so that nobody feels singled out. Our last service, we were streaming to Iowa City, so I've got one for Iowa as well. But this is a QR code that will lead you um, to a page on Iowa State's uh, counseling, um, on a website for Iowa State's counseling specifically regarding the help that they offer um, with, uh, with um, eating disorders. Either you need it or you know somebody who needs it. We have to talk about this stuff. We have to be real about it because a lot of us, we're not seeing our bodies the way that God sees our bodies. What is it that you see when you look in the mirror? In the book of Genesis chapter one, you heard this in opening worship too. God says God sees himself. And this says something very, very significant about you. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Whether you're a man or you're a woman, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're from this way or that way, you are created in the image of God. Do you know what that means about you? It means that there is an irrefutable, indisputable, solid rock, objective significance to you. There is nothing that can shake the significance about you. You are made in the image of the most beautiful being to ever exist. When God looks at you, God says, I see myself. And that will change so much about how you live your life. But starting point, that will change so much about how you see yourself. And I'm not just talking about you and yourself as a big giant person. I mean your physical body. Have you ever had something that changed the way that you saw your physical body? I can tell you this, I am someone who does not always like what I see when I look in the mirror. Growing up, looking in the mirror was frustrating for me because it was a constant reminder of something that I did not like. Um, so here's the truth about me. I do have a, a goofy body in some ways, and, and one of them is I have pectus excavatum, which is a long term for saying I have a hole in my chest. If I turn this way, you can kind of see it. See, like it, I got a hole. I had a friend in high school who called it my lack of soul. That made me feel really nice about myself. <laughs> I know. And then I saw Iron Man and I felt really good because <laughs> he had a crystal or something like that. You know? But I remember when I was in between second and third grade, I was out in the backyard with some friends. I think we were playing in a sprinkler. And a friend looked at me and he said, wait, what's wrong with your chest? And I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with my chest? I'm awesome because I was a kid and I didn't see what was wrong when I looked in the mirror. I saw what was great. Maybe in my own way, I could understand what it meant to see the image of God. Do you know how many times in the last 23 years I've heard people ask, what's wrong with your chest? I hear it all the time. What's wrong with your chest? It's just last summer, I was with my wife at the pool and there was like a 10-year-old who came up to me and he's literally screaming, oh, 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 he didn't have the words. I'm like, yes, I know I'm a freak. What's wrong with your chest? I, I think the question that I only hear more than that is, do you eat cereal out of it? <laughs> no, I don't. Specifically so I don't have to answer your invasive question. Um, and it wasn't until I was in high school that I started to feel comfortable with my chest, right? And it was when I saw a picture of my dad. My dad is like my hero, you know what I mean? He's definitely one of them. I absolutely admire him. And I saw a picture of my dad from when he was in high school. Now, I knew this about my dad, but I guess I hadn't really ever paid attention to it or really looked at it. But in this picture of him from high school, he had his shirt off. And some of you grew up with my dad as your pastor. And I don't mean to put that image in your mind, but the dude looked real good. You know what I mean? And cut, chiseled, six foot five, ready to go. Anyway, 
too far. Wow, I hope he's not watching. He's my boss. I'll get a fun text for that. Um, and I noticed his chest is the same as mine. And it just changed the entire way that I saw myself. Because my hero looked like me. Somebody that I'm, I admire looked like me. And he wasn't ashamed of it. He was confident. He was secure. And if he was confident and he, if he was secure with the thing that I have, then I could have that thing and I could be confident and I could be secure. When you see yourself in your hero, when you see yourself in the one that you love, it changes the way that you see yourself. And God says, when you think of me, when you think of all my beauty and all of my majesty, you can know that I put that in you. I have made you in my own image. There is an irrefutable, indisputable, solid rock, objective significance to you. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You're beautiful. You are beautiful and the word of God says it. Nobody gets to argue the word of God. God's leading us into newer places of health and that's great, but God does not wait for you to look a certain way to call you beautiful. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to care for, God wants you to care for your body, not so that you would change the way that you look in the mirror, but so that your body would thrive and be rested and energized to do the good things that he prepared for you so that you really could be healthy, so that you really could enjoy full life. It is not healthy to hate your body. It is not healthy to run yourself into the treadmill to lose one more pound. It is not healthy to force yourself into one more rep just to get a little bit bigger. It is not healthy to hate your body. God loves you for who you are today. God calls you beautiful today. Nothing will ever change the word of God. You are made in the image of God objectively, you are beautiful. And there's something that's really amazing about that. Our physical health, when we start to take care of that, not just to look a different way, but so that we can have bodies that were energized and ready to accomplish the things that God has prepared for us and for our bodies to achieve in this world that he created, it impacts a lot more than just our physical bodies. Studies are telling us over and again that exercise is so good for our whole selves. And God's word has been telling us about that for a long time. Take a look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the foundational law that God gave the ancient Jewish people. It said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Go ahead and say heart. Go ahead and say soul. Go ahead and say strength. God is telling us that the way that we really love, it's not just a feeling, but it's also not just an action. It's not just a thought and it's not just a prayer. It's everything. The way that we really love includes our mind, includes our hearts, includes our souls, it includes our bodies, it includes all of our strength. The way that we love is we incorporate all of it. It is all intertwined. In, in 3 John verse 2, everybody, uh, I, I, it, it sounds kind of weird, 3 John verse 2. There's only one chapter to, uh, to 3 John. It says, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. What is that telling us? It is telling us that your mind and your body are intertwined. As you are physically healthy, you become able to be spiritually healthy. As you are spiritually healthy, you are able to be physically healthy. It is intertwined. And that's why God gives this command in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love God, and when you love God, don't just think it, don't just feel it, do it. It incorporates everything. 
Now, a long time later, Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. He said, the most important commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then right after that, he finished it with, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say, love yourself. Now, I don't mean that in a shallow way that oftentimes society tells us to love ourselves. Because sometimes society will just try to tell us, like, love yourself. Why? Because. I had a friend in seminary who spent his entire career as a therapist. He was in his late 60s by the time that he came to seminary. And he said one of the things that drove him deeper into his faith is because people would ask him, how can you tell me that I'm valuable? Who says that I'm valuable? And finally, he came to a point where he said, you are valuable because God says you're valuable. And I can't argue that. God's asking you to go deeper. You are beautiful and you are valuable and you get to love yourself because you get to receive love from God, the God who wants to love you. And if real love is loving somebody with our thoughts, with our hearts, with our emotions, and with our actions, and with our bodies, that also means that to receive love from God, it means that we would receive love from God in our heart, in our soul, in our minds, in our bodies, every single piece of us. When you receive love from God, it is not just a feeling. It is not just an experience. It's actually something for your body. It's all intertwined. The science is just backing up what God has been telling us for thousands of years. This is from the University of Texas, and I know we can't believe a word that they say, but I think that this is true. (laughs) Adding 30 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercise, or walking, significantly reduces the symptoms of depression. Interesting how when we care for our bodies, we become healthier as whole people, as whole individuals. This study went on to say that children experience more joy than adults. But the reason why children experience more joy is not because they're naive. It's not because they're innocent. It is not because they've been sheltered. The reason why children experience more joy than adults is because they move more than adults. It's intertwined. The science is only affirming what God has been telling us for so long. This is why when we worship, we stand up. This is why when we worship, sometimes you might be moved to lift up your hands. This is why when we worship, we might just kind of move and dance and groove and you just don't even know what's happening. Because when we're receiving love from God, it is in your soul, it is in your heart, it is in your spirit, it's in your body. This is uh, one of the foundational elements to how we form Vacation Bible School at Lutheran Church of Hope. Anybody here grow up going to Lutheran Church of Hope Vacation Bible School? Here's some pictures of it. It's absolutely wild. It's like a rave and dance party the entire time. It's nuts. Now, we don't just have them get up and dance because we want them to be a ball of energy for their parents later in the day. We want them to get up and dance because it's truly loving God and receiving God's love for us. And you ought to see how it changes them, how it moves them. In fact, I'd really like for you to experience this right now. If you grew up going to Lutheran Church of Hope CBS, you know that we'll take secular songs and we'll like, I don't know, redeem them with like holy words or something like that. And you'll definitely recognize that in this song that's coming up. I want you to stand on up. I mean, really, move your body. Stand on up. We're going to do this together. Turn to the person next to you say, get ready to move, baby. I want to teach you a couple of, uh, I want to teach you a couple of moves really quick. Ready? All you got to do is, Go forward, clap. Go back, clap. And then flip your arms in the air like you just don't care. There are lots of different actions this song. I just want you to move your body. I just want you to love God with your heart, mind, spirit, and body. Tell him, put it on the board on the count of three. One, two, three, put it on the board. Oh, here we go. You never heard this song like this before. Here we go.
time each day For six straight days March on the town Without a sound The seventh day Seven times around Priest blown their horns oh, Charging to town This is promises we put our trust Move in your body. Is it too far Move or your body. And together we will Move win This is promises we Come put our trust in him Is there too far or battles and together we will win Now we're not even close to done If you're gonna march, put your hands in the air And if you're gonna shout, shout aloud for all to hear Shout, we trust God, 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 freeze Let's go! Alondra. Coach, call a timeout. Call a timeout, coach. Legs burning. Okay, for real. Did did you like? Did you notice? Like what happened in the room? Did you see the joy? I mean, you've never heard that song like that before, right? <laughs> I dare you to tell your favorite DJ. Play Let's March by Hope VBS. <laughs> I mean, when our bodies move, something does happen to us. And you can tell me, oh, well, it's just because it's you a sick beat, bro. <laughs> but the science backs it up. It changes us. You heard this in the reading tonight. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is active and moving. Why would we keep our bodies so still, isolated, and kept away? The Holy Spirit lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to the active, moving, caring Holy Spirit that calls your body his temple. Now turn to the person next to you and say, my body's a temple. What if we really believed that? how differently would we treat our bodies? I mean, seriously, how differently would we treat our bodies with the things that we put into our bodies? How, how differently would we treat other people in their bodies? If we really believe that my body is a temple and so is the person in front of me? It says this, excuse me, let, let me back up just a second, that's good. God's temple, your body, right? God's temple, your body. Your, your body is God's home. So what does that look like? The first thing is we recognize, like, my body belongs to God. 
My body's not mine. My, my body is God's. And that is very countercultural. But I want to ask you this. Is that God being controlling or caring? I know that makes us feel a little bit weird. My body belongs to God. No, my body's mine. And yeah, God gave you your body. But who cares more for your body? Is it the person like me who looks for the flaws in the mirror and finds every single flaw about me and just tries to fix things so that I'd be viewable and presentable to the world around me? Or is it the God who in Psalm chapter 139 who tells us you get to talk about yourself like this? The author says this to God, how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They can't be numbered. What are the innumerable thoughts you have about yourself? Are they precious or are they critical? Who cares more about your body? You or God? Your body belongs to God, but that's a good thing. You can't count how precious, you can't count how many precious thoughts he has about you. They outnumber the grains of sand. God's temple, your body, it means that my body belongs to God. It also means that my body makes a difference. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can make a difference. It's true. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just before our reading for tonight. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Your bodies are actually part of Christ. Do you know how much of a difference Jesus made? Time magazine called Jesus the most influential person to ever live. He made a bigger difference than anybody in the history of the world. And Jesus says, I associate with you. You are my body in the world. Your physical body gets to do my work. Your body makes a difference. My body belongs to God. My body makes a difference. And finally, this is the best one. My body will be resurrected. Turn to the person next to you and say, resurrection. resurrection. Resurrection is a powerful word. Because God lives, we get to live. The image of God is one that does not stay defeated. The image of God is one that does not sleep. The image of God is one that does not stay dead. The image of God is one that resurrects. And because he sees himself in you, he has chosen you to be resurrected too. To live forever. There's a beautiful story about this in John chapter 5. Jesus is becoming pretty famous and he's walking through the streets and he sees a man who's been sick for 38 years. He hasn't gotten up for 38 years. He's been very sick for a very long time. And Jesus asked him a peculiar question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? As peculiar as Jesus' question was, because the answer is pretty obvious, um, yes. The man's answer was equally peculiar. He said, I can't. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And he said, I can't. What is it that you believe you can't do? I am not here to tell you tonight that anything that you believe you can achieve or anything that you set your mind to, you will accomplish. I really want to be the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. It's not going to happen. I don't have the physical body for it. But what is it that you believe you can't do? And I'm not just talking about the tasks in life. I'm talking about resurrection. I'm talking about really living with your real body. I'm talking about doing the real good things that God appointed for you and your body to accomplish in this creation that he made. Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? And he said, I can't. What are you saying I can't about today? How much of it does it have to do with your body? I can't. 
I can't get the grade in school. My brain doesn't work like that. I can't get up off the ground. I can't keep going. I can't get through the day. I can't get over it. I can't leave that in the past. I can't forget what happened to me when I was young, and I keep on putting that blame on myself as if I did it with my body when the truth is somebody else did it to me. I can't. I can't get well. My body will never be healthy. And even if it could, I don't have the time for it. I'm too busy. I don't prioritize it. This body, it's worthless to me. It's just something that I'm passing through time with. I can't. I can't. But then Jesus said something to him. And he said something to him that changed this man's life forever. And I mean forever. When you hear these stories in the Bible, they're not just made up in some author's mind. These were real people with real names, with real stories and real limitations. Last week, I talked about how sometimes we get to say, I can't. We get to recognize the blessing of a limitation. And that is true. There's something so liberating about being able to say, I can't. But there's something so binding about having to say, I can't. I can't. I'm not capable. And Jesus says something to this man that changed the rest of his life and is still changing him for this, for this far into eternity. This was a real man that Jesus really touched and Jesus really spoke to and Jesus really healed. And Jesus can do the real same thing for you, for your body. Maybe it's not specifically with this man who's sitting on the road. But what is it that you're saying, I can't about? Jesus responds with just a word to this man. And all he says is the one word that would change his life forever. He says, rise. But there was something so special about how he said rise. He didn't just say rise in a way to say, get up, move. It's time for you to wake up from the bed. The word that he used for rise was agere. Go ahead and say agere. And agere quite literally means resurrection. He looked at this man and he said, resurrect. He said, resurrect. Your words, your body, your abilities. You cannot get yourself well. But Jesus is telling him, I can get you well. I can get you well. Where you are weak, there is my strength. Where you run out, there I overflow. The same author from our reading tonight, his name was Paul. He also wrote 2 Corinthians, and this is in chapter 12, and he's having this dialogue with God. He's saying, won't you take away this thorn in my side? Was it an actual, literal, physical thorn in his side? I don't know, but he's going back and forth with God. Will you please take this away from me? I can't take it away from myself. I can't get better. I need this gone from my life. I need you to do something because I can't. So what did it have to do with? Was it his mind? Was it his heart? Was it his soul? Was it his body? I think it was probably all the above. And he gets a vision from Jesus and Jesus says back to him, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need and my power works best in weakness. Do you see that? Where we are weak, where our bodies cannot, Jesus throws in his strength. And our weakness only reveals more about his strength. So what is it that you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see someone that's incomplete? Do you see someone that's flawed? Do you see someone that has to be fixed before you can go out into the world? Jesus says, I see my power. Because when you see weakness, I see power. Your weakness has only revealed my power. 
Your faults have only revealed my grace. My grace is the only thing that you need. When you say, I can't, Jesus says, I can. And keep in mind here, it's not if I can't, it is when I can't. There are things in this world I cannot do. There are things in this world I will not do, but when I can't, Jesus can. And I'm talking about the things that Jesus is gonna call you to do that you didn't believe you could do before, but you're only gonna do it because he calls you to it. And I'm also talking about the things that you'll never actually see on your own, but you can trust that there's a God who sufficiently loves this world. And even where you won't go, he will go through someone else because this body of Christ is big. This body of Christ has many parts. You are a part of it. And so is the person next to you. You are created in the image of God. And so is the one next to you? What do you see when you see this world? What do you see when you see another human being? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see weakness? Good, because there is Christ's strength. Do you see flaws? Good, because there is Christ's grace. Where we are, where we are weak, he is strong. When I say I can, Jesus can. When I look in the mirror, I don't call it beautiful because of what I've done, because of what I'm capable of. I call it beautiful because I see the image of God and I know my God is beautiful and I know my God is capable and I know that my God can even when I can't. We sang this, the words of the song earlier. You are beautiful. You are beautiful in all your ways. And it's true. But do you hear what God is saying back to you? You are calling the one who lives in you beautiful. That means that true beauty, infinite beauty, immeasurable strength, immeasurable worth pours out of you. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Where you see weakness, he shows his strength. When you find flaws, he reveals his grace. I'm gonna invite you to stand again and we're not gonna sing to a VBS song, but we're gonna sing the song that our, that our hearts wanna cry out. And when we cry out, you're beautiful. Kairos, I just want you to hear the words of your creator saying back to you. I made you. I put my image in you. The most beautiful being to ever exist has his image in you. You are beautiful. When you say you're beautiful, you know that you are beautiful because the one who is infinitely glorious is in you. Kairos, can we sing this together? Can we sing this together and really believe and know what it means? Go ahead and sing that out. You're beautiful. May we never lose our wonder. You're beautiful, God, and you call us beautiful. Amen.